Hello and welcome to episode two of Castaway Classics with me, Dan Speakman, and my good friend Jack Mobley over here. How are you, Jack? Hello, how's it going? Um, yeah, this is the second episode of Castaway Classics, our version of the, uh, of the, of the Radio 4, of the similar name, the Radio 4 show with a similar name, but this time we're going into your albums, Dan, aren't we? Yes, you are indeed. I've had a long and arduous process picking these, but um, excited to share them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been um, I've been enjoying listening to them, sort of uh, dipping my toe into some stuff that I don't normally listen to, but definitely some stuff I can get on board with. So your top eight albums, Dan, what's the first one we're going to be talking about? First of all, well, in no particular order, um, but we're going to start with 2015's album from Tame Impala, Currents. Um, Tame Impala don't really need any introduction, I would say, but... Um, just sort of a little bit of background. It's it's uh, one guy, multi instrumentalist, puts on some amazing shows. Done a number of albums now. Um, for me, Currents is sort of top of that list in terms of its whole ambiance and just general feeling around the album. It's it's incredible. There's so many big tunes. It's so, kind of like it's kind of like an in like people sort of lump them in sort of indie and that kind of thing, but they're very much quite expansive in what they do aren't they sort of not really heard of that kind of thing before um yeah i think it's it's fair to say that he really is pushing boundaries out on his own he's pushing sort of i think a word that often gets associated with them is sort of psychedelic or psychedelia kind of music it's really ethereal um sort of magical in a way very exists very in, unique you you uh, exist in its own sort of space and time isn't it it's like it's, it's it is spacey isn't it oh yeah a hundred percent um and yeah I, I can't get enough of it really i i didn't discover the album straight away when it came out in 2015 it was probably one or two years later and it really from the first lesson it just completely knocked me back yeah so should we uh, get a little taste first and we'll uh, we'll have a bit of a deep dive Yes, so my, well, the song I'm picking, it, it could have been one of a number, but I'm going with Yes, I'm Changing by Tame Impala. So here it is.
Yes, I'm Changing by Tame Impala. I was just thinking then, Dan, that um, when you kind of listen to this album, listen to these songs, it does take you to, it sort of transports you to another world and like these songs sort of sort of fill the atmosphere, doesn't it? It's, it's quite um, like spacey and then also very unique as well. Yeah, certainly. I, th- I think listening to, listening to him speak about the process that he goes through making music that sort of transportation element, that otherworldly vibe is definitely what he's going for. He seems like a really weird dude, to be fair. He does, he does. He's, yeah, so unique probably is the right word. Um, but yeah, as a song, that, that droning bass line that sort of just pierces straight to your heart, doesn't it? It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like there's, there's just like a hand, like a chord just placed on a keyboard that's, that's just reverb turned up to the max mm. and then there's this really sort of bassy low end and the melody the high end melody that just sort of cut through all that and sort of gets right to the point when it's all just like it's all filled up in this reverb and then it has those elements that cut through that kind of uh, sort of make it stand out that even bit more yeah it's just so dreamy the uh the sort of psychedelia feel that i mentioned earlier he's really going for that he's sort of you know the way i picture it sort of laying down in a meadow with maybe tripping mm. a little bit yeah, so the yeah, sunlight yeah. sort of refracting it's really gorgeous and I mean as I described earlier it's quite a varied album as well it does move through a number of different sort of feels I was quite tempted to to play the big one off this album uh, less the less I know the better yeah it's a huge tune probably their biggest for sure ab- yeah as a band um, I sort of maybe you'll see a theme throughout my choices that I go for the slightly less obvious tracks and even less obvious albums on my choices just 
don't know, maybe that says something about me. <laughs> I don't know. But um, the core hipster inside of you just won't let you pick the big ones. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> but I think one theme that really does resonate through the album is the bass lines that sort of kick through. They're they're repetitive. They're almost similar on some of the tracks, but they're so effective and the different instruments and techniques that are used over the top of those bass lines. It it gives a really nice flow through the album um, and just gives rise to some really massive tunes for me. Yeah, like the, um, the again, sort of going back to that point, is that it does, it, the, the, there's the tracks and the singles, like Lesser Know the Better and um, the other ones, but when you listen to this album from start to finish, it does feel like a journey, you step into this door and then you're kind of, you're in Tame Impala's kind of realm really and then um the tracks do flow very nicely there's some mm. sort of like real world sounds that are thrown in there just like at the end of that track with the um the cars and the sirens and that kind of thing mm. it kind of it kind of has that element of world building that you know makes it more sort of um realistic i guess and yeah yeah it's i think immersive is another feeling he immersive, was, yeah, he was going for with the album it, it definitely flows as a whole, like I think, the the sum of the album is much greater than its than its parts. If if that makes sense, and mm. as a whole sort of piece of art, it it really stands out. And I very rarely would listen to one track on the album without just being tempted to go for the whole thing. It's, yeah, but it, then there's still like those singles that you can just I don't know put on in a playlist or put something on at a party, and then it has that sort of like instant impact. That sort of that um, really accessible vibe as well. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the songs speak for themselves and the, the success of those singles speak for themselves. Um, yeah, sort of running out of superlatives for the album, <laughs> really, at this point. It's, it, it, yeah, it's it's great. So. And what about sort of when the first time you listened to this, you, you said you were quite late to the party for it? Um, well, it, yeah, so interestingly enough, it's... Having sort of really studied this album a lot more than sort of I have previously in the last couple of weeks, um, noticed that really it's a breakup album. A, a lot of the songs, like Yes, I'm Changing, it's about sort of moving on and sort of, I don't know, parting ways. You know, The Less I Know The Better is clearly sort of, I think his ex is, he's hearing rumours about his ex that he's doesn't like the sound of and the less he knows the better about that. Um, interestingly enough, it came at a sort of similar point in my life where someone that actually introduced me to the band um, got involved in a situation like that. So it's pretty funny, really. But um, I, I didn't I didn't pick up on those vibes at all initially. They were just good tunes to me. But um, Oh, the irony, yeah. the irony of it all. Yeah, I mean, I can thank him for that, I suppose. Maybe not some other stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it did... It did a lot for me at that point in time. I really fell in love with it. It's the first real Tame Impala that I'd listened to and was hooked ever since. Fantastic. Well, um, should we get on to the next album in your list of we, top eight? We certainly can. Um, next, we've got a sort of much more underground choice, I would say. This is a band called The Milk. The album is Tales from the Thames Delta. It's a 2011 number I believe um, and uh, yeah this is a band that's meant a lot to me in a different sort of way I, 
as I say, they're a lot more underground. This this first album was. It almost has an unsigned feel about it. The sort of the the where, the place that it came from. It's it's their debut album. Their small sort of outfit from Essex. I think they'd probably describe themselves as sort of retro soul funk. Few hip hop elements in there. This album actually features Idris Elba with a little bit of a verse. Uh, a few tracks down the list. Um, yeah, it's, again, it's a, it's a unique sort of feel to it. I don't know, what what did you think? Yeah, it was, um, it, it definitely has those elements which you, which you just listed, like I definitely say there's some sort of big rock choruses, especially from, you know, or not even rock choruses, but just sort of, just sort of rock pop and that kind of, you know, guitar music, but it has that sort of bigger feel about it, that accessibility, especially tracks like Broke Up The Family. Um, that kind of, it kind of has like sort of this outcast vibes to it. There's yeah. definitely some some of that in there. And then obviously there's those elements of rap and hip hop and some guitar music thrown in there for, for good measure. But um, but yeah, what, what, uh, what song are we going to be playing off this one? Again, I've gone for a slightly sort of off the beaten track choice for this. Um, as you've already mentioned, there's there's some big tracks on here. Broke up the family, is the main sort of single that that probably reached the highest heights from the album. But I'm I've gone for a track called Chip the Kids, which I think brings a lot of the elements of the album into one song, and it maybe it's maybe most representative for any listeners that haven't heard the band or the album, and it might give them a good flavour. So yeah, here's Chip the Kids.
so that was Chip the Kids by The Milk. Um, yeah, I was just thinking throughout that, um, I made that Outcast comparison before, but it really got like a full band Plan B vibe, isn't, hasn't it? It's just that kind of, well, Plan B on that um, the big album that you had, I forgot the name of it, but uh, um, that kind of jazzy vibe to it, but also that kind of big band feel, and then there's also some rap and some sort of guitar elements thrown in there, like I was saying before. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the one of the elements that really draws me to the to the band is their use of sort of extra in- instrumentals, those trumpets, the the sax, um, and it probably one of the I've seen them a good few times now, but the best gig by far. Um, they played Union Chapel in London, which is sort of a, a big sort of retired church. The acoustics in there are amazing. They had these. Better sounded massive. Yeah, the the um, the additional instrumentals were sort of outstanding. Um, another thing that that I really love about the band is um, the front man Ricky Nunn. His voice is just so unique. I saw it described in a review of the album of as a whiskey and cigarettes voice hmm. which I think sums it up so well it's really bluesy so soulful and it, um, it it's used in a number of ways on the album to really good effect yeah yeah um, it's kind of there's like on moments like that there's sort of even sort of Niles Barkley kind of um, vocals on it which yeah it's just that even more kind of soulful feel feeling to the to the entire record Um yeah, well, what what about your origins with this? What about the... Um, How did you first connect with The Milk? I first found this album and this band through a stray tweet of... Um, I, can't, I can't even remember who it was now. It just... I just the, that name, The Milk, it's so strange. Like, you, it's not it's not a very good name, I don't think. No, but, um, no I wouldn't agree it, with that. I thought... I thought it's worth a listen. I'm sure it was someone just recommending the album or saying it surprised them. Um, and yeah, since that first listen, it, I think it must have been pretty close to that re- to that release date when I found it. Um, yeah, I love it. the The artwork's also very striking. They've for some reason they've got some association with cats in their <laughs> sort of merch and that kind of thing. And the album cover's got this like sort of dude with a cat's head it's pretty strange that was striking as well um i think there's just a number of reasons to love this band they're all such lovely guys i believe lifelong friends um as i said earlier from from essex there really is that lack of rock star mentality when they're performing it's feels like a gig with your mates not um there's no ego or anything yeah that's uh, i was while doing some research on on this in preparation for it, it kind of uh, it sounds like that they're kind of misfits from all over London town basically, and they come together and then they they obviously brought out this album, but in the live setting, it's just that kind of feeling where it's just everyone's there for the same reason. They're giving out you know their creative vibe, and they're basically just pumping it all into this one project. Mm-hmm. They're extremely humble as well. I think something that obviously wouldn't come through in the album but has done in sort of in their subsequent work is they went through a lot of record label pressure with this album they got a pretty big deal i believe it was with sony that this record mm. was produced um and that took a lot of their sort of creative elements away um the producer on the album is uh from a sort of 
act or artist called The Next Men, who are sort of much more hip-hop and soul-styling. I'm quite a fan of them. But um, if you compare this album with their later work, it does. you can really see his influence on the album. And I, th- I think it sort of pulled them away from their sort of artistic roots. And they had a big battle after this album to try and get away from Sony or and sort of and those influences and really try and go it alone and it was quite a while before they got their next album out it's it's very different they um they poured their heart and soul into it and i mean i'm a huge fan of that one and the and the most recent album um but this for me sort of has there's always something special about an album where you first discover a band isn't there and that really does it for me (laughs) (laughs) certainly don't um yeah so thinking is is there anything more to say on this one um well it actually one thing which really surprised me that i only discovered this week is the critical acclaim for the album is absolutely appalling yeah that was another <laughs> thing that i found as well was from doing a little bit of research again and uh, looking up some reviews at the time it was yeah 2011 or 2012 and mm. there's a lot of two out of fives and a lot of yes yeah, really and... scathing stuff one one review called um Ricky Nunn's lyrics and sort of general performance rancid spew, which I found, I mean, I found yeah. personally offensive. I mean, everyone loves a clickbait title, don't they? I mean, I don't know how true that is. It's obviously, you know, I'm, me personally, it's not my cup of tea. I don't think I'll be visiting this much after, but I'm, but Dan, I suppose you're exactly the same with some of my picks. So, um, the, the, this was very much a, an enjoyable listen. It wasn't a bad listen by any stretch of the imagination. It was, I can definitely see myself sticking this on again. It's sort of like another summer album where mm. the, the sort of, you step out, you step out your door and you got this chorus of the milk, just like soundtracking your walk to, you know, a sunny, a sunny afternoon basically. But, um, but yeah, um, sh- do you want anything else? Do you want to add anything else to that, or should we move on to your next pick? I'm very happy to keep things moving. Um, yeah, so coming in with my third pick, it's another sort of I don't know, perhaps less well-known band or act. This is Flight Facilities with their album Down to Earth uh, from 2014. So Flight Facilities, they are a pair of Aussie sort of. DJ producers, um, heavily into their sort of electronic music. I mean, I remember there was a time in my life where I'm pretty sure I sort of uttered the words: "If if the mu- if it can if you can create the music from a laptop, it's not really music." <laughs> um, but like looking at my sort of favorite album choices now, that's I certainly wouldn't subscribe to uh, to that mantra. Um, some of the stuff that these guys can can sort of pull out of a MacBook is incredible to me. Um, really interesting album. It's sort of got a bit of a concept feel, to, which coincides with their name. It's the album starts with a sort of um, an airport kind of vibe with the um, that classic airport chime and announcement. Um, it's a little bit yeah. So like the captain, the captain, sort of um, uh, welcoming you to the flight and sort of strap, asking you to strap yourselves in and sort of prepare for mm. prepare for. The, Prepare for takeoff, basically. Yeah, I think it says uh, we do have smoke detectors fitted, so please try not to get caught. <laughs> it's got that sort of tongue-in-cheek um, feeling to it, and yeah, it comes straight in with uh, af- after that intro. Comes straight in with the track that I'm 
that I'm going to pick for for the podcast. So I think, without further ado, we can go in with two bodies. I presume further means that inherently you cannot be commercial and artistic. You cannot be commercial concurrent with having a preoccupation with the level of storytelling that you want to achieve.
So that was Two Bodies featuring Emma Louise by Flight Facilities. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been enjoying your pick so far, Dan, and uh, this this was sort of no different when I first switched it on. And um, yeah, Two Bodies and then Sunshine by Reggie Watts it was such a sort of toe-tapper and um, big moment for me on the album, coming quite early. But um, there's a plethora of uh, featurings on this on this album, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, obviously the um, the artists themselves are just um, sort of producers. They don't um, perform uh, sort of inherently on the album. So um, any vocals you get on the track are either sampled or or involving features. And um, yeah, so as you said, that was Emma Louise on that track there. She's you might recognise her from the My Head Is a Jungle fame, mm. massive track. Um, uh, some of the other features on there. I mean, Kylie gets a little bit of a uh, of a. I think it's a one and a half minute sort of cameo performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, an acapella. Um, oh, sorry, I crave you. Sorry, that's what. That's, is it? That's what it's on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's this sort of a crave you interlude, and um, the full crave you track um, has another feature which. Um, you know, I think I think they really make best use of the voices that they get on there. There's a lot of female vocalists, which um, which I was really happy to include, especially this sort of slightly more chilled vibe um, of an album. I think the female vocalists really work well on on top of those sort of really complements um, it, doesn't it? Yeah, the more the more delicate instrumental work, it, it definitely complements it. I think that's why Reggie Watts kind of works as well because he's always in that like sort of falsetto kind of range is just that really high sort of soft softly spoken gibberish that he, that he chimes <laughs> yeah i think that's very fair to say um i mean as you mentioned sunshine's got a lot of energy sort of house vibe um sort of 
just makes you want to hit the dance floor. The album comes right through to sort of soft pulsing synth, synth tracks like Waking Bliss. Um, there's even a Claude Debussy rework in Claire de Lune, which is, I think, only sort of vague remnants of the original classical piece remain. But again, it's offers something really dynamic and different to the album. I think it's fair to say that um, the album is longer than it really necessarily needs to be. There's perhaps one or two too many instrument, instrumental tracks. Yeah, like I think sort of going off the back of what you were saying about the vocalists, the vocalists not only complement it, but sometimes really uplifts the whole album as, as a whole, and especially that variety of different um, acts featuring on different songs. It really keeps it interesting for those sort of lulls in the instrumental tracks kind of drag on a little bit too long not to say that it's not good but it just after you know a seven and a half minute track a six and a half minute track back to back it kind of gets a little bit long yeah i think that's fair to say um sort of between track seven and ten there is a slight lack lack of energy i i got the feeling perhaps it was intentional because the last three or four tracks do have a lot more energy and maybe they're sort of pushing you to one extreme just to pull you back in the other direction and really have that impact at the back end of the album. Yeah, like bring it low before making the highs even higher, basically. Yeah, I think I think that might be something that they were going for. Uh, as a whole, I, I still love the album. It's It offers a, a very different option uh, to the rest of my choices, that sort of housey vibe. I think if I'm on my desert island, I'm going to want some dance tracks that I can go with. I mean, Apollo on this album, it's a huge dance track for me. It always gets me up on my feet, so you can see me sort of... And then just sort of waking up to those sort of like distant house sort of tunes just there playing in the background, just like while you're lying on a beach or something. Yeah, yeah, with the sun shining. I think I think it would fit really well in that, in that atmosphere. Um, but I'm sort of happy to move on if you are there. Yes, of course. So, coming in, we've got a, uh, I think, a little bit of a vibe change, I think it's, I think we can say there. Um, here we have an album way back from 1976. My, probably my favourite band of all time. I, th I think the listeners maybe aren't going to sort of be getting on my bandwagon quite so much for, for this one, but it's pure self-indulgence for me. Prepare yourselves, because you aren't ready for this answer. <laughs> Yeah, so here we have my favourite band, Genesis. I can't believe that. It's just like a departure from flight facilities to to Genesis. I mean, maybe there's some vague influences, but it's just it just seems so, so I, out of whack from the yeah. rest of your pick so far. I think it's a bit of a stretch to try and link the two albums. <laughs> That's maybe why I've lined them up in this sense, that it's it just sort of slaps you in the face with some good old 70s prog rock. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I could not include this band. They were the first band that I really discovered, sort of straight from my dad's influences. He's a huge fan. Um, the first gig I ever went to was Genesis on their comeback tour um, at Old Trafford. When, when was that? What year was that? 2007. That was, so I was, what, uh, 11, chapter. 12 years old. I mean, like, what a day. Huge show. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't not include these guys. It's, as you say, very different to the other choices. And I'm sort of almost a bit sad for the listeners that might have to put themselves through this. But um, we're going to go in with it. This is 
Um, big track off the album. This is Squonk off A Trick of the Tail by Genesis.
So that was Genesis and Squonk from um, A Trick of the Tale. So as you were saying, Dan, this has had, this has very much fond memories for you and um, and uh, sort of childhood memories at that as well. But what do you think is something that actually draws you to the sound of this album? I think I first sort of fell in love with them probably for the drumming. I was a sort of a budding drummer from sort of eight or nine years of age. Um, and just sort of seeing videos of Phil Collins behind a sort of 35 piece drum kit, which was obviously a sort of a must in, in that era. Um, and just, Gongs and everything. Yeah, just seeing him shredding and the, the, the instrumental work in, in the whole sort of back catalogue of Genesis is outstanding. They're, above all, they're just musicians at the top of their game. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that's probably what first drew me to it, as well as sort of being too young to really try and develop my own music taste, <laughs> so just piggybacking off my off my dad's. Um, yeah, I mean, that's well, really What a place I'm... to start though, like Phil Collins as well, like obviously he's singing as well, and um, it's such a powerful voice, and then I, I love some of Phil Collins, obviously the big hits that mm. he's... Um, that he's released as a, as a solo act, but it's obviously started with Genesis. And um, he's such a such an artist, and um, you can tell the others are too. I mean, I'm a fan of sort of prog, but more so metal than anything else, and, um, and math, rock, and that kind of thing, mm. but nothing, nothing quite this old. Mm. Um, but there's still such a level of appreciation for me and, and, and what these guys sort of built for other generations in terms mm. of their sort of overall musical impact yeah i mean they they started sort of late 60s i think sort of formed in their um, which is crazy imagine yeah. if you're in the late 60s and you listen to this for the first time like or what what other music's around at the time you know obviously sort of um beatles and, and stones, stones mm. and uh, well i was gonna say zeppelin is that is that too early but that's even that's like a massive sort of um, progressive rock band and imagine listening to this for the first time it would be such a departure from whatever you've heard before yeah I mean I, th I think they really sort of ploughed the furrow for, for prog in the mainstream I mean 15 albums released 6 top UK albums I mean there's not many people that can really boast that um, they sort of evolved right through from these early proggy days I mean this is the first non-Peter Gabriel album with with Phil Collins fronting the lineup but so from those early days with Peter Gabriel sort of I don't know dressing up as a, a fox in a dress <laughs> or as a the slipper man which is sort of like a a walrus looking Mr Blobby type thing on stage <laughs> playing flute solos I mean it doesn't get much proggier <laughs> than that and uh, I think so this album, it it was seen as their, it was sort of their springboard. It it was their I don't know sink or swim moment after Gabriel left, where they I mean they were even they were auditioning um, vocalists whilst recording this album because Phil Collins was adamant that he that he didn't want to become the the front man. Um, they started I can imagine recording. Imagine if that decision went differently. Yeah, exactly. I mean they had. They had someone lined up uh, who had recorded a couple of tracks, but they they worked out towards um, 
towards the last few tracks that he was going to record that his range wasn't quite enough for them so they then had to go back and re-record without him I mean Peter Gabriel even turned up to the recording studio whilst they were recording in sort of his egotistical way to sure that they wouldn't be able to cope without him and um I think he was quite hurt and quite shocked that they'd that they'd pushed on and to me obviously I'm including this above all the others to me this this is the album that defines sort of my genesis I would say I'm definitely more of a Phil Collins than a Peter Gabriel man um and and from here they obviously pushed on into that sort of more pop rock era with albums like Invisible Touch um that sort of really went mainstream they they cracked the states I mean they were just huge massive massive outfit yeah like none no one really liked it at the time and you know musicians like Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel have obviously paved the way for you know they just they just broke through on, on a different level really um so yeah was there anything else you wanted to add about this album um I mean I could honestly talk about it for hours to be honest mate um I mean I've mentioned the musicianship I mean some of the time signatures on on this album from a sort of drumming musical perspective there's there's seven four I think there's an 11 beat uh, track in there at some point um I mean the speed and the the technique from the from the musicians I oh, honestly I could talk about it all day um but I, I yeah go on you'll have to drag me away then well, I'm the opposite, where I can't really talk about Genesis all day, so shall we just go into the, the next record which you've selected for your um, Castaway Classic? Yes, so again, we're, we're pulling things across, maybe not quite as much of a jump as, as, as the last two, but um, bringing things right back up to date with a Scottish hip-hop rock act. Uh, this is the La Fontaines with their debut album, Class, from 2015. Uh, I know this is one that you're a bit more familiar with, Mobs. Yes, um, yourself got me into this band before we sort of started doing this podcast. So I was listening to them before I was giving your list anyway. And um, and yeah, this is just like, uh, it's it's rock, rap, electronic, pop. Um, it's it's It's... It's sort of very urban. It's gritty at times. It's intense. It's it's loud. It's loud, but it's also quite um, relatable and familiar in a lot of ways. It's kind of got a very um, that sort of raw sound is a very genuine sound, and it's one that kind of bleeds through onto the record. And you know, thing just little things like Scottish accents like coming through. I kind of I appreciate that, and it does give it a different a little bit a little a little bit of a different flavour, which. Um, is very is, is quite refreshing and um and yeah what 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 track are you going to be selecting for this before we go into this a bit further um for this one i'm picking the title track um this is class i think it showcases the album as a whole again um yeah i really hope you enjoy it
Everybody in the scene won't seem trip Doing the same shit No evil, no malice Total disregard for bank balance But this vehicle I'm barely surviving in Don't match the new one that he's driving in Does it? Pissed off cause I really want some of that But I got none of that and I can't make it Might just be dumb with that Go get a gun in that Then I could rob them naked I'm far from that I pull these streets like a starving cat Hank Marvin chat I walk 50 or weeks to be having that I try fathom that Well you break my spirit I'm in debt to you What was everlasting Is ended all too soon Three super rich kids with the fast track pass Went to my school, never in the same class Money talks like a chatterbox So most of the loans to repay or top up Or dirty flows to relay or mop up Money runs dry, we need a top up You could always call dad, you can tell him cough up Yeah, tell him cough up dad Taking the gap here so don't get mad Force fed with a silver spoon Like a super rich goon, little baby tycoon All that money won't make you rich All that money don't make you rich I'm sick like I fell and I scrape my face I've got nothing to prove, no money to lose So, as Dan said, that was the title track Class by the La Fontaines. Um, so, yeah, Dan, what, what was sort of the introduction to, to, to the La Fontaines and, and why this album? Well, my introduction was a good old Spotify Discover Weekly for this one. Ooh. I mean, yeah, you can't knock it, can you? Um, again, spoke to me straight away with how individualistic it is. Um, I'm sort of quite a sort of closet hip hop fan um, <laughs> which to look at me and to know me you, you really wouldn't say so but uh, I love how accessible the rapping is in this it's, it's it's relatable stuff you can actually understand what he's saying despite his heavy Dundee accent um, it's it's relatable lyrics it's they're, they're pretty much our age I think maybe a couple of years older so they've they've gone through that um I don't know, probably the same struggles and the same cultural references that we have. I mean, he loves a good cultural reference in his lyrics. I think mm. Gary Barlow gets thrown in there. He's, 
He's got some Tory bashing within the album as well, which <laughs> everybody loves. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a it's a great unique sort of position to to place a band. Yeah, um, they've got that unique sound. Um, I was going to bring up that track actually with the Gary Barla reference. <laughs> it's the first track, Slow Elvis. Um, I love that kind of sort of jungly drums the um, throughout the the track, but it just builds and builds and builds, and then sort of um, comes in with the guitarist slash vocalist, the second vocalist, with the um, big gang vocals kind of thing. Mm. I love that line, I'm a rascal, I'm Glasgow, and the way he delivers it, it's just like, it's so sort of like awe-inspiring, it kind of like builds up and swells within you, and then just the sort of explosion of energy, and I think that sort of translates into pretty much every song. There's a couple of slower tracks on mm. this one, but for the most part, it kind of keeps its energy up. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a really raw feel to the album. It's sort of low production, High high intensity. I think I think it's kind of got that veil that that it's low production, but I think if you actually sort of like delve a little bit deeper into it, it does it, it there are some like higher production elements where it's kind of it's layered and like the different effects on some of the, 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 the vocals and that kind of thing. But it comes across in that sort of more urban, raw feel. Yeah, I think definitely raw is, is what they're going for. And I mean to be fair, there's it's a, a three piece band. Um, you've got. They don't um, struggle to fill it out, though, do they? No, I mean, and considering one of those is just Kurt Oaken, who's the sort of rapper frontman, all, all the music is coming from the uh, sort of the guitarist synth, um, drum the, machine player Jamie on guitar, and then um, you've got the drummer who who kicks in with those incredible chorus vocal lines soaring above. Um, yeah, I think they make a re- a really big sound. Yeah, and it was kind of a shame that we, we like the only time that I've seen them. Obviously, you, I think you've seen them a couple more times than, than I have. I've only mm-hmm. seen them once, but it was at a, like a, a club show or pub show in um, in Derby of all places, and um, it was such a great laugh. But I felt like it was kind of a bit of a shame in one sense because it was great to have that intimate feel where they're just on stage and there's like a bunch of people in the crowd. But I feel like on a festival stage, a big like main stage show would like go down such a treat for. A band like Lafont- the Lafontaines, with their high energy, big choruses, very sort of um, energetic rapping, and um, sort of in your—it's a very in-your-face attitude from the the—I forget his name—but the rapper in the in in the group. Mm. Um, you can just imagine him in the faces of a of a bunch of screaming screaming fans, couldn't you? Like on on a on a on a barricade at the front of a, mm. a festival crowd. Yeah, I mean, the first time I saw them was at Why Not Festival. Um, it was sort of only pretty recently after discovering this album, and they were quite high on the bill on, I think, the second or third stage in a tent. Uh, me and my friend Jack Writer sort of strolled in, thought we'd give it a go. We were probably the fourth and fifth people in the crowd <laughs> within five minutes of them coming on stage. And... Uh, I think they played this track first and before the song was finished the tent was full. I mean they they had such such a draw, such presence. Um it was only a, a quick forty minute set. He Kerr found time to come and have a bit of a mosh. <laughs> uh, had a, a a guest verse from from a super fan in the crowd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was it was class. 
what can I say? Yeah, they did. That's what I'm saying. That 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 you can just sense that vibe. Like, if no one in a field knows who who the fuck they are, they're gonna know about it very soon because you'll just be walking past or getting a drink or getting some food, and you're I'd be instantly drawn in by this sort of sound and. And it just sort of goes on from there. And it's it's an infectious sort of feel when you listen to this music. It does want to make you, you know, get up and jump about a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And since this album, they've really pushed on. I mean, they they still don't have a huge following. Um, it's fair to say that they I think they've even struggled a bit. They've they've started a podcast and a, a Patreon to try and sort of keep getting by during the lockdown. They are they are like professional sort of touring band, aren't they? It's, yeah, it's I mean they're sort of yeah making ends meet with each gig and that kind of thing. They've, I mean, yeah, because this album is is this twenty twelve maybe or twenty fifteen twenty fifteen, but still mm. like this 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 is you know five years on from that album and they've been a band for longer than that and yeah, you can sort of tell that they live and breathe it and they mm. want their music to actually mean something as well as being that sort of feel good. Um, raucous vibe as well they obviously have a message obviously the album's called Class which speaks Mm. volumes about what the album what they stand for Mm. and um, yeah it really comes through on this album like saying Tory bashing (laughs) I mean not to say like that's all we do but it's just sort of a reflection Uh, they kind of hold a mirror up to society and sort of speak their truths yeah that's that's a a really good sort of ideological summary of the album I mean the uh the album artwork is a good friend of the band who since passed away, but he was sort of a, a local, I think essentially a sort of hobo or a, a drunk. He'd really been sort of chewed up and spat out by society. And um, they got him involved. I think they, they sort of took him to a stately home, dressed him up in a uh, in a nice suit and tie. And sort of the uh, the juxtaposition of that, that image of a... Um, an old dis- dishevelled guy in a in a sort of quote unquote high high class sort of environment really it, it really sort of speaks on the album as a whole yeah for sure um yeah it's just that it's that disconnect isn't it and that's what they they try to to show in in obviously the, the artwork their music their lyrics and um yeah just their overall message yeah so um Anything else to add on that little beauty? Um, just that I have a massive man crush on Kerr Oaken, probably. <laughs> but um, he just got engaged this week, very sadly. So, oh, that, yeah. that's, that's just mean, a, a shame for, yeah. for all, really, isn't it? Congratulations if you're listening. But um, you can We, we could try and tag him and uh, get, him, get him noticed. We'll send you like a signed picture or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd be interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, moving on from the La Fontaine's. Coming into my sixth choice, I think this is a much more well-known um, addition for the listeners. We have here Elbow with Seldom Seen Kid. Yeah, no, this is um, probably your. Would this be the second oldest album on the list? I guess if you take away Genesis, two thousand eight. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, obviously the the world-renowned Elbow. Everyone knows, um, you know. Uh, Definitely songs from this album and beyond. Um, what track are you going for? Uh, I've gone slightly sort of off piste again with my choice here. I mean, I was tempted by Grounds for Divorce, which was the the first Elbow song that I really 
engaged with and it's, it's obviously such a massive tune one day like this has just exploded all around the world it's another massive track but for me it's um much more sort of um much quieter much more pensive track the lyrics are really outstanding they really speak to me um so this is mirrorball my elbow
So yes, that was Mirable by Elbow. Um, what's the story behind Elbow, Dan? What, what, what's, where's the love there? Uh, well, um, as I say, the, the first track I came across was Grounds for Divorce, which I actually saw, uh, I think it was sort of BBC's live Glastonbury coverage of uh, with Guy Garvey banging the shit out of some toms on, on stage for <laughs> Grounds for Divorce. Uh, with obviously the crowd absolutely in the palm of his hand, um, that's that's where my sort of first sort of notion of Elbow came from. That was a huge song, wasn't it? Because there's been so many sort of like sort of pop culture references. I don't know, like adverts and um, in in TV shows. You know, there's mm. like you know the the end of the the end of the TV program or something, and the, there's like that kind of song. Um, but the the sort of the simplistic nature, the bassiness for it makes it ideal for that, and um, it's quite a departure from the aesthetic that had been established at that point in the album, which makes the big hook even more impactful, especially when transitioning from that like bridge at the end. Yeah, I mean it's it's got a real anthemic quality to it, and as you say, it does sort of strike a chord against some of the the slower sort of more pared down. Uh, yeah exactly um it's it works really well towards the end of the album you've got obviously one day like this even so like, what do you even say about that it's like yeah. it's, it's again another iconic song from the last well from the last you know 20 years basically yeah isn't it? huge huge track uh, I think I I love the the use of orchestral elements on the album that's so the, huge the strings in that track works so beautifully there's brass which i always love a trumpet being thrown in there as you well know um it's yeah the again the use of those extra instrumentals really really add something to the track i think sort of guy garvey himself can get a lot of credit for that i mean what a guy yeah it's 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 like the poetry sort of rolls out of his mouth and 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 sort of project project projects even further it, it's 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 all it's awesome really it's it's so big it's so it's it's like stadium feeling is it it's like mm. the the like an orchestral feel could could really sort of sucker a lot of vocalists like into the sort of into the bellows but he just goes the opposite and projects outwards and Complements it and sort of mm. goes back and forth between the music. Yeah, I think he he can smash out those anthems. And he can fill a stadium with his voice, but I think also his sort of delicate sort of falsetto lines mm. on, on top of the the quieter tracks work so well. Sort of haunting lullabies that he he can come across with. Um, and yeah, love him as a front man, as a radio host, as a vocalist he's just a, a, a top top look really. really. yeah um yeah i mean probably i 
should mention um, the way I discovered the album as a whole was actually on a, a very boring family holiday to to some some place in the middle of nowhere in France. Uh, absolutely nothing for kids to do. There was a freezing cold swimming pool. Um, rained quite a lot, but there was a stereo in the back room with about five albums, and one of them randomly happened to be the Seldom Seen Kid by Elbow, so I probably listened to it about 20 times in a week. And I'm very ashamed to say that I stole the album from oh the hotel. Oh, my God. Daniel Spreeman, album I thief. But they, I mean, uh, what an album to steal, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've still got it. So, I, you know, it didn't I go, think you lent it to me away. as well. I think I ripped it onto my, my iTunes or something. That well. does ring a bell, actually, back in the day, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite funny to think back on that now. That it's, it's quite funny, yeah. uh, origin story, how you were sort of drawn together by destiny, almost by a, a, a rainy... A rainy chateau in France with a with a with a working mm. stereo. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah a lovely story, I suppose. Um, probably one more thing I think is worth mentioning on the album is just the lyrics that that come out, especially on Mirrorball. I mean, make the moon our mirrorball, the streets an empty stage. I mean that. It's so almost like Dickens esque. Oh isn't yeah, it? it's it's so poetic. Um, we took the town to town last night. We kissed like we invented it. Oh yeah, that's a lovely gorgeous. one. Gorgeous. Oh my god. Mm, so many evocative lyrics, and they they just stay with you and paint such a gorgeous picture. Um, and I don't think I'll ever stop listening to this album. It's just it's fantastic. It's it's got a very timeless feel, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, it 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 can transcend sort of the the time that it exists in. It's 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 not even like a hark back to two thousand and eight. It's you know, I could see an album like this being produced earlier than than that, and uh, I can see people listening to it way further down the line as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. As you say, it's timeless. It's it. It. I mean, it's it's stood for twelve years, and it's not it's not aged a day. In my opinion, it's still so relevant. And again, with those sort of pop culture um, sort of references that. It, it, it's always featured in and it will continue continue to feature in sort of like you know um songs like i'm not saying i'm not trying to reduce it down to just this but f- songs that are featured on x factor and that kind mm. of thing you know run by snow patrol or leona lewis a day a moment like this <laughs> or whatever one day like this and you know grounds for divorce will continue to have those kind of references for years and years to come yeah i think you're right um they're a huge band. I don't, I don't think they'll. There's anything that can really knock them off that sort of he- stadium festival headliner kind of echelon. Now, uh, they keep pumping out quality albums. I, I love the the most recent two especially. Even got my dad the vinyl of um, of their latest record, which I think it was the first one he's added to his collection probably since Genesis in the 70s. So uh, Again, it's yeah. that like, timeless feel that even transcends generations mm. um, in your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, love it, love them. Representing the North, what, what more could you want? <laughs> well, awesome. Well, um, is this the last album or we've got two more? We have two more. We've got two more, yes, we have got two more. So without further ado, Daniel, what is the uh, the seventh? album on your list so moving from possibly the sort of most famous or the biggest album on my list right down to the 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 tiniest almost insignificant unheard of 
So, what an introduction. <laughs> yeah, so this is My Luminaries with their debut album from 2010, uh, which is titled Order from the Chaos. Yes, and I think I'll start this by saying that I think out of all the albums, this one was the one that I kind of attached to the most. Out of the ones that I didn't already um, listen to, like The La Fontaines or um, Frank Turner, but mm. um, this was was a very sort of like instant album for me that I kind of latched onto straight away. Um, but before we get into any further, what song are we going to be playing from it? Uh, I mean, I I could have probably played every song on this album. I absolutely adore it. Um, it's another one with a huge dynamic range. Um, but for the purposes of, of sort of showcasing the album and maybe throwing in a slightly different vibe to the others, uh, I'm going with A Little Declaration. Crude or in the wake of the moment that you 
So that was a little declaration by my luminaries by uh, and that was I was just saying then Dan uh, that was my sort of um, moment of the record where everything kind of clicked for me that that rhyming couplet I walk off the beaten track if I had a forest of my own I'd be a lumberjack it's just it it's just so instant it just rings straight through it kind of if you're kind of sitting there just working like I was and then that lyric came and sort of hit me in the face and I was like wow that was that was that was very nice i liked that i enjoyed that but the big riffs that are just complimented by um james eras eras is his name i think sincere delivery um yeah it's just a very nice nicely composed line i've only seen it written down that his name so that's why i butchered the the pronunciation but uh yeah yeah i mean as i alluded to earlier they're they're not exactly guys that have torn up the music industry and and sort of and tops bills and that kind of thing i mean this this is their their first offering as a band it was also their last offering i don't think it really got the um the record label traction that it, that for me it completely deserves um yeah so that i think well it's 10 years now since they've not been a band which That's very sad, sad. Yeah, yeah and i mean if you just look at the the spotify plays for these there's couple of the tracks have just broken 20,000 streams I think the song we just heard there is under two and a half thousand I mean I think we might give that a run for its money if, if this takes off <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean that just amazes me and the, the musicality and, and the quality in these tracks and it's just it's criminal that it's not being enjoyed by more people for me yeah it's just more of a sh- it's, just, it's just a shame when you kind of um, uh, think about that because you know, it, it, it dances on the line of big stadium rock songs and sort of Eagles-like sort of power ballads, um, you know, sort of such as Clementine, for example. Mm. It has that Americana sort of road trip kind of vibe to it. And yeah. I've definitely heard worse tracks than this uh, that are on this album. It's kind of criminally underrated, I would say. Um yeah, and that's just a shame, really. But what what about the sort of the origins of this? Is is this another Spotify recommends or? It's not. It's possibly even more poetic. I, I mean, well, the way I discovered the album was I literally searched online something like indie albums that are good that you've never heard of, or something <laughs> something as teenage as that, uh, and and this got thrown up and. Um, I, I ordered the CD off Amazon. I, I sort of I found it in my hit order history the other the other day from two thousand and eleven. Um, I just absolutely love it. It's the the lyrics. I mean, not just in that track. Um, I should also just mention it at the end of that rhyming couplet. You've got you'll find a lifetime of experience in Kerouac, which sort of yeah. obviously alludes to the Beat Generation, Jack Kerouac on the road, that Americana feel. It all ties in so beautifully um other tracks like the, the final track on the album one it's just the the lead singer with an acoustic guitar which moving from those the big punchy riffs and the the heavy drum beats pairing it right down onto that final track um it's essentially a poem about how um i don't know it's almost sort of post-apocalyptic the way that it comes out um and it's yeah the 
the the lyric on that just just as you thought all the battles had been won it's 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 glorious um and it just makes you want to start the album all over again to be honest or, or that's yeah. how i feel about it yeah um yeah i completely agree with you it's uh it it, it bounces back and forth in between those um the more powered ballad ballady kind of stuff and even more just typical ballad stuff and uh, the big the big riffs is something that drew me in um as a listener mm. um but yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add on this particular album? I would just really encourage people to listen to it, to be honest. If if there's one one album that I think has something for everyone um, on this list, I would probably say it's this one. Like, yeah. They really yeah. deserve it. I always hate that feeling as well of finding a band and then finding out that they're broken up or they're no longer a band. It's just, it's it, it, it makes it makes sort of the music that even more... Um, sort of uh, rarity and a, and a unique thing because you'll never hear it again. How poetic. Mm. Um, so on the theme of poetry, just I feel like I should do that final lyric a bit more justice. It's uh, a room full of lost souls unite in a song only to find, find that they were found all along. There's a battle that still rages on just when you thought they had all been won. There you go. It's just the constant sort of driving force, isn't it? you got to keep mm. going. That persistence, determination. Yeah, followed by a sort of the band enters as a beautiful trumpet melody, a military snare drum. It just fades mm. off into the distance. Yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite a memorable gorgeous. moment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, before I get too emotional, we should maybe move on to my uh, my final number. <laughs> this is quite a um, uh, uh, sort of personal pick, I would say, because what what who how do you pick the Frank Turner album? And you've gone with. I've gone with Love and I, a song from 2008, but you're so right, it could have been one of five or six. I think Frank Turnham, he's got to be up there with my favourite artists, especially his ability to just pump out quality album after quality yeah, album. Yeah, I was going to say, just one one thing that springs to my mind is is sort of hard working and, again, that persistence. He, he just, he's just always looking for the next horizon, the next project and that kind of thing. He's, he's got multiple... He's got many fingers in many pies, as it were, and 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 not more many than um, than his his solo project and band project, uh, Frank Turner, and then with the Sleeping Souls. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, to me, it's it's always seems like that his solo stuff is. It's almost maybe his breadwinner, and his I think his passion really lies in the the punky sort of. Mm. I mean. It, he, I don't know if they they still exist, but he wasn't a band called Mongol Horde, wasn't he? Which you could, couldn't understand yeah. the fucking word of what was going on. It was just thrashy mentalness and yeah. washing. But he absolutely loved it. Yeah, I think that's where he started out, and then he he sort of brought that energy to his acoustic guitar and um, started bringing out albums like Love Iron Song. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, he's sort of, as I mentioned, he's that that punky influences. It's really his solo stuff involves a lot more sort of folky, almost spoken word poetry from the. Uh, he's the like old... a, a modern day kind of bard, isn't he? Where <laughs> oh, I think bard is a in, great word. Sitting yeah. in the corner of a pub on his twinkling the uh, the 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 strings on his on his acoustic guitar. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got it noted down here. I think I've. I picked this album above others because for me it sort of 
falls right in the sweet spot of his back catalogue from those sort of raw punky beginnings up to the more sort of polished mainstream recent releases. I think this still really has a lot of soul and a lot of feeling. And that's probably uh, couldn't be summed up better than in the track that I've picked. Um, which sort of, it sits slightly out on its own within the record as a whole. But for me, it just, it means so much. It's got so much emotion to it. So we'll go in with Long Live the Queen by Frank Turner, please. was lying in the hospital she'd been pretty sick for about half a year but it seemed like this time the end was drawing near so dropped my plans and jumped the next london train i found her laid up and in a lot of pain her eyes met mine and then i understood that a weather forecast wasn't looking too good so sad as long as story so a little while tried to raise a mood and tried to raise a smile but she silenced all my ramblings with the shake of her head drew me close to listen this is what she said now Some relatives draining her blood She said, I know I'm dying But I'm not finished just yet Yeah, I'm dying for a drink and for a cigarette So we hatched a plan to book ourselves a cheap hotel The centre of the city And to raise some now Lay waste to all the clubs And then when everyone else is on their sleep Then we'll know we're good and done You'll live to dance another day Just now you'll have to dance She said that Lex had gone asleep and wasn't waking up And even though I knew that there was nothing to be done I felt bad for not being there and now while well, she was gone So tried to think what Lex would want me to do At times like this when I was feeling blue So gathered up some friends to spread the sad, sad news And we headed to the city for a drink or two And we sang Another day It's just now we have to dance For one more of us So stop looking so damn depressed Sing with all our hearts Long live the
So that was Long Live the Queen by Frank Turner off of uh, Love Iris, Aya and Song. Um, so yeah, what was her introduction for Frank Turner? I think for me it was Kate Lawler's show on Kerrang! as an angsty teen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's so unique um, and so memorable. If you've heard a Frank Turner song, you, you know about it, don't you? It's It, it really sticks with you. Um, and yeah, just, just grew from there. Yeah, it's sort of weird the way that like where Frank Turner sort of exi- exists in sort of music and different scenes and that kind of thing because he is very much a part of like sort of rock music and and dips his toe into sort of the Kerrang! territory. Mm. That's sort of that popular side of things. But he is... At the end of the day, it's it's folk, and he covers a lot of the same topics that are covered in folk music. But the mm. phrasing and the similes are so catchy and memorable, and um, obviously big single on parts like "Long Live the Queen" and mm. um, sort of stompy kind of jumpy songs such as "Photosynthesis." Um, yeah, it's really hard not to sort of at least um, like this album, if not love. Yeah, I think it's definitely love for me. It's. It, it it offers a lot of range, like you say. When we just had "Long Live the Queen," that's just such a teary, emotional track. I mean, a great tribute um, to his his friend that passed away. I mean, what more could you could you really ask for in in a in a song such as that? It's so memorable. It it looks beyond the pain of it. Um, trying to find positives in in such a sort of tragic event. Um, I mean, I I could have gone with with other tracks. I mean, I was tempted to go with the title track from the album. It, it covers the whole sort of Frank Turner spectrum of the vulnerable solo work, the the rousing interludes, like you say, with the catchy hooks, big choruses, lyrics that just ooze his intelligence and and sort of wordsmith kind of qualities. You can you can really feel those kind of old Etonian vibes from the, the posh boy that he is. Yeah. Juxtaposed against the that punky covered in tattoos kind of vibe. I mean it it it's sort of a perfect storm of, of culture clash for me. Yeah, because he ha- like the mentality is that he wants to break away and that kind of thing. But he just uses his musical talent because I believe he was sort of like a younger age was trained slightly classically and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, obviously his music doesn't reflect that um, in in a traditional sense. His musicianship comes through for sure and his songwriting ability does for sure and I think that's where his intelligence comes in because he is such a, um, a snappy writer and also a very sort of um, well-rounded writer where he does lead people through a story such as mm. like Long Live the Queen or yeah any of the other tracks that you could point to really, whether they're... Um, fast or slow long or short and that kind of thing so yeah i think the the storytelling side to the album is is a good point actually i think it seems to me that he he wrote this at quite a pivotal time in his life uh get the feeling it's probably mid to late 20s a few of the tracks allude to um a sense of feeling lost um sort of obviously he's grown up with a lot of privilege but um a lot of people from that background can struggle to find their feet and find themselves. There's sort of nods to waking up 
drunk at a sort of after party, not knowing where he is, stumbling out onto the street. Um, there's sort of nods to heartache and betrayal on there. I mean, the lyrics, her beauty was a sight to see. She didn't save it all for me. I found other fires by following the smoke. I mean, that's it's gorgeous, isn't it? It's, mm. It really paints a picture. Um, the, the raw, emotional sort of coming of age sobering up feel to the album it mm. really it grows up uh through towards the end of the album and you can see that towards his his later albums as well he he does seem to grow up a lot and speaks on much sort of bigger topics than than ones that are covered in this album yeah yeah um yeah he's, he's kind of a slave to the road isn't he and he uh, obviously these songs sort of are, are born out of that um when he's you know, playing shows and getting drunk and passing out and that kind of thing. It all, it all kind of leads, it all kind of filters back into the music. I think. Mm. I think it it rounds off my list quite well, in terms of the the themes that I noticed when I was putting the list together. Obviously, lyrics matter so so much to my enjoyment of an album, and like some of the lyricists that I've managed to squeeze onto this list are just incredible. I think probably none more so than Frank Turner. He the the sort of diversity of of his of his tunes and and the lyrics that he gets in there, it's really really impressive to me, and it always sticks with me. Uh, other things, the the use of instrumentals, the the strings, uh, yeah, even just the solo strings in such as that last track, adds really nice texture to the to the music and i i look for on my favorite albums i've noticed there's a, a big dynamic range um not just sort of one trick pony albums ones that can really sort of push the boundaries and test test my enjoyment i think i'll sort of cherish that on my desert island with a, a good diverse range of tracks yeah i was going to say that is what you what you want on 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 that and speaking of the 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 picks that you've um you've chosen we will we will deep dive into or deep dive we'll just dive into some other questions what about the best artwork of your list what 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 is the best sort of visual that accompanies the music on, on your list um it's quite a tough one i think we've we've mentioned a few there's the the guy with the cat's face on the Milks album. You've got that, that sort of um, sort of essay on class in an album cover from the mm, La Fontaines. Yeah. You've got um, well uh, on the Genesis album. It's sort of quintessentially British. Sort of looks like a sort of I don't know eighteenth uh, century cartoon sort of vibe mm. on the uh, on the Genesis album but I think I'm going to go with Order from the Chaos by My Luminaries it's if you're not aware of it it's sort of um it's sort of it, well it encapsulates the the album's title quite well the Order from the Chaos there's it's a very busy album cover with um birds flying all over the place it's very detailed um paint I think it's sort of painted art um and it, it sort of speaks to me i can look at it for a long time and sort of really interest me yeah i think i think i would actually agree with you on that with, with that being the choice um but what about on the island who out of all of the people you've talked about today who would you be stuck there with if you had the choice uh, again it's a tough one 
plenty, think. plenty of uh, big, big brains to pick. I think, and and yeah, conversations I mean, I, I think conversations around a campfire with Frank Turner would be amazing. The, the stuff that he's seen and stuff he could teach you. I think Guy Garvey is clearly such a legend, and I'm sure the rest of Elbow are as well. They mm. probably deserve a mention. Um, but I'd probably say the band that I feel I know best. Um, just through their sort of interaction with their fans and the closeness with the fans, I'd probably go with the La Fontaines. I've got a very uh, laddie kind of vibe. They're um, they know how to have fun. If if you've ever listened to their podcast, they uh, would probably bring a few few bits along with them to help the uh, to help pass away the days on the island, shall we say? Um, maybe make the days more eventful. So I think I'd have to go with the three guys from the La Fontaines on that one. And what about a party? If you could if you could bring them all bring them all round with that kind of I think that kind of encompasses the same sort of vibe you were just talking in, about. In terms of who I'd want to perform at a party, the the kind of parties that I would like to host, I think I'd go with flight facilities, that kind of dancier vibe, turn the lights down, maybe get few strobes or, or mirror balls on the go and uh, yeah get the party started with the flight facilities and then finally the last question of this episode um, out of all the records which one would you save from the waves if they came rushing in um, I think for me it's quite an obvious choice it would have to be Order from the Chaos by My Luminaries it's just ever since I heard it it's been my favourite album I think it I'd be surprised if it wouldn't always be my favourite album um, and if nothing else probably because there's not many copies of the album left on the planet <laughs> so I've got to keep mine safe very unique choice yeah well that's been it Daniel uh, that has been your Castaway Classics um, very enjoyable and uh, and yeah I would urge you all to go give these a listen you've obviously had a taste of today but yeah um Dan's Castaway Classics. Yeah, thanks. It's it has been really fun. The whole process of sort of listening to them over and over, whittling down my list. It's been really enjoyable and great to talk through them with yourself today. So thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Yes, and we'll be getting more guests on. This won't be the the last. I I hope anyway. No, and um, and yeah, keep listening for more interesting chats. Thanks, guys.